Pastor Ed Taylor says consistent time in the Word can help you, whether you're single or married. And I'm telling you, if you want to be a man or a woman that God uses, you want strength in your marriage, you want holiness in your singleness, then get into the Word of God. Grasp it. The best counsel I could ever give you is read your Bible every day. Just soak it in. Just take it in. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and grow you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You From Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the middle of a series in 1 Corinthians. As we open up chapter 7, we discover it's okay to be single and okay to marry. But maybe you're wondering today, what's God's calling on your life? Pastor Ed will point out we all have different callings. For instance, some may be called to remain single for a long period of time or even a lifetime. Here's Pastor Ed. Verse 6, he says, I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. If you have the gift to remain single and celibate, then do it. That's what Paul's saying. Paul wishes that it was possible that all were single like him. He was living a single life here. He wishes everyone was single like him, but if not, then marry, because every man has their own gift. Each one has his own gift from God, some in this manner, some in that. Turn over to Matthew. We haven't really turned much tonight. Matthew chapter 19. Would you? It's to the left, Matthew's gospel. There are different times, and there are places and callings on people's lives. And when you look at Paul's ministry, singleness was required for what God called him to. Now, there's a lot of debate about Paul and his singleness. Many people believe that Paul was married because he cast his vote at the death of Stephen, which lends to the credibility that he was a part of the Sanhedrin. And one of the requirements of the Sanhedrin is that you be married and have children. And there's even debate on that, that somewhere in Sanhedrin single and not. So, so many people believe that he was married. And then there's a lot of viewpoints. So I just throw them out there to you. We don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't say. There are a lot of viewpoints on how Paul became single. One viewpoint is, is that he left his wife in the area of Galatia as a Christian woman with his kids and then just left her to go onto the mission field. And do you know that we have modern day stories of missionaries that left their wives and kids and went off and, and just forsook their family and went off into the mission field and have used Paul's uh, alleged example as a reason for doing that. I, I just don't see that in the Bible. I just don't see that as a valid reason. I, I don't see a lot of credibility to that. I tend to see that I tend to believe, and again, it's tradition. We don't have specific insight of what happened with Paul's wife if indeed he was married. So there's a couple of things that we, we don't exactly know, and you can get all sorts of opinions as you dig through commentaries. But one of the opinions that seems to 
to fit the context is that Paul, this crazy radical rabbi, became, or Saul, the crazy radical rabbi, became Paul, the crazy radical uh, believer, and his wife couldn't take it and left him. And so that is not the life I signed up for. It was, we'll see later, there's this, this little hint of that where Paul says, hey, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. That, if, if, if indeed we only had those two options, that's probably where I would lean. And then there's the third option. Paul was always single. He never got married. And we just know when he's, re- when he's writing this, we know he was single. And in that moment in time, he refers to his singleness. Unlike Peter, right, because this whole movement within the Roman Catholic Church towards celibacy, they, they base everything on the papal line on Peter. And yet we know, without a doubt, Peter was married. <laughs> There's no question about that at all because his mother-in-law is ministered to. And so it just is so important for us to cling to the word. And we'll see that as we close here, but you've you got to cling to the word. And when we look at other areas and we read other commentaries, we, we just need to receive, receive, put them out there and say, this is what they're saying, but the Bible doesn't say. So there's different callings now. Back in Matthew 19, as Paul mentions it, so did Jesus. Notice uh, in verse 1. It came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee, came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees also came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? We're not going to exegete this passage. I've already studied through Luke, and we're going to get to these topics the next time in our conclusion of chapter 7. But understand where Jesus is when he says these things. They come to test him. They want to undermine him. And he answered and said, Have you not read, he takes them right back to the word, that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. One of the undergirdings of the definition of marriage comes from Jesus himself. Haven't you read? Don't you know what the Bible says? Don't you believe in Genesis? Doesn't it just stand out to you as you live through this world? How much effort and energy is gone into trying to undermine Genesis? Not just the Bible, Genesis in particular, so much so that Ken Ham begins a ministry named Genesis 1-1, Answers in Genesis. Because if you undermine Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is a free-for-all. If you undermine the establishment of a creator and thus our responsibility to a creator, and if he created us, then he defines life for us. If you can undermine Genesis 1-1, then you can undermine everything else. However, if you cling to Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is a breeze. If God can create the heavens and the earth, and he can do all sorts of things <laughs> and just be, just be so precious in our lives. And here Jesus is taking you back. As they come to test him, he asked these Pharisees who knew the word, haven't you read the Bible? Don't you know it? What kind of question is this? And I love the tact of Jesus. We're not there when he's, we don't know what his facial expressions were or maybe he was just smiling. <laughs> just, just that smile, just like, haven't you guys read the Bible? You're supposed to know it. You're, you're supposed to be able to tell people about it. And, and so here's a definition of marriage, male and female. And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So the definition of, of a husband is a man, and the definition of a wife is what? A woman. He makes it very clear, male and female, husband and wife. And the two shall become one flesh. That's the doctrine of oneness. So you see, it's all coming together. So then they no longer are two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, verse 7, 
Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? So they bring up a supposed contradiction as they look at the scriptures. And he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. See, some of you, divorce has come up in your conversation. You've talked about it. You've thought about it. You might even have the paperwork on the table at home. And the main reason is because your heart is hard. That's why divorce, every divorce, there's a lot of ingredients. I don't want to oversimplify it to the point where I don't recognize there's a lot of ugliness in divorce. But every divorce passes through the door of the hardness of heart. And back in 1 Corinthians 7, that's why sexual intimacy softens the heart, brings unity and oneness in marriage. So you add on to that all the other issues that are going on and how the enemy is just going after sexual things, sexual things. Recently, when we got back from our trip, we have one of those DVRs. I mentioned that before where you can record various things. And and there was a brand new show that just started while we were gone that the kids started to record. And and we started to watch it. And we're just like, no, you know, we're not going to watch that. Because at a very young age, they already have these sexual innuendos all throughout this cartoon. Parents, I don't want you to let your guard down when it comes to cartoons. Because I don't want you to forget this. Don't ever forget this. I don't know when the Lord showed me this, revealed this to me as a parent. But this is so true. Whether you like cartoons or not, you just got to understand. Adults make cartoons. Not kids. Our little kids' cartoons are little stick figures and they kick one another or something. They don't don't have all this weird sexual innuendo, all this language. Adults make cartoons. And the adults that make cartoons, listen, have agendas and messages to communicate through the cartoon. And there was a season in our lives where, you know, you think back to the 50s and cartoons were relatively innocent for that matter, and, and it's just not so today. And our kids are sitting there just soaking it all and soaking it all in, and we think, hey, if they're soaking it all in, don't you think it's going to affect them? Again, I'm not dictating. I'm not going to mention the cartoon or anything. I'm not going to dictate as a pastor. This is what, yes on this cartoon and no on this one and maybe it. That's your responsibility. My responsibility, though, is to equip you with truths that will highlight to you that even at a young age, our world system is after influencing our children. And there are a lot of different methodologies that are used to get into our children's heads and ours. And you teach a kid to kind of laugh off, oh, he's in his underwear, ha, ha, ha. Really, is that that funny? That we're just sort of comfortable with uh, a kid in their underwear? Yeah. Because when that girl is 12 years old or 13 years old and a boy isolates her and he's in his underwear, it's no big deal. Because ingrained, not because of the cartoon, but because of the thought that that behavior is okay. You see, we're, we're living in dire times, friends. Just incredible times. Where there seems to be, from my perspective, an all-out assault to destroy lives. The enemy hasn't come except to kill, steal, and destroy. And we as Christians, we just don't want to be asleep at the wheel. We want to be vigilant. We want to gird up the loins of our minds. We want to be ready. And we want to live lives in such a way they're going to set us up to succeed. Not to not succeed. To, To be holy and righteous. 
And Moses, because of the hardness of their heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. He didn't command it, he permitted it. But from the beginning, it was not so. It was a concession. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her, her is divorced, commits adultery. And his disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry And again, we went into this in depth. You can pick up the CD or the study off the web. But verse 9 says what it says. And even the sin of divorce and the sin of adultery can be forgiven. It's not the unforgivable sin. But you never want to take the grace of God and go, well, hey, Pastor Ed said divorce is forgivable. I'm signing the papers. No, if you're on this side of divorce, try to work it out. Do what it takes. I was talking to someone on the phone that just called in and I answered the phone today and, and my whole ministry to her was just let work it out. Fight for your marriage. You know, what's your address? We'll send you a book, you know. Whatever it takes, let's work it out. Let's see what God can do. Let's see, let's give God a chance and see what happens. Now, in relation to this, verse 11, but he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. Sake, he was able to accept it, let him accept it. Eunuchs took care of the harems and they were emasculated uh, so that those desires would not inflame around the women. And that's what he's saying here. He's using it as an example. He's using it as a euphemism for singleness. But if you were there listening to him describe eunuchs, you would totally understand what he's saying. And notice, some people were born that way. That was what they were called to do. Some people were made eunuchs by men. They, they were brought in. They had a, a normal setup in their lives. But in order for their position, they were made eunuchs. And then the last one's just like beyond my understanding. Some people made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Now, if you step back for a second and take the eunuch out and put single in there. Some people... For there are singles who were born thus from their mother's womb. There's a propensity in your life. You have a calling in your life to be single. That's just the way you've always been. It doesn't make you less of anyone. It doesn't make you less than a married person. That just seems to be the way God designed you. You just had this sense. Some of you were born just having this sense, wanting to get married at a young age. You know, when you would play with your neighbors, you would play, play marriage. And then those of you born a single, when you, would, when you would play with your neighbors, you'd make them get over there and you'd stay over here and we're single. You know, we're right here. And that's just the way you were. That's just the way you're wired spiritually. And then the second one, there are singles who were made singles by men. And that just that, that lifestyle, that, that pattern of life, as you grew up, you determined that singleness was the path for you. And you saw it. And, and so the influence of people and, and the idea of just as you're growing up, you go, you know, I think I'm okay with being single. I think this would. And then the final one is there are those that committed to singleness that you did it for the kingdom of God's sake. A lot of missionaries are like this. I have some missionary friends from California. One in particular devotes his life. He's, until he got kicked out of the country, uh, he devoted his life. He's a single guy, and that's just the way he's going to live. I haven't talked to him recently, but I did see him last time I was in California. He's still single and probably still praying about going back to the mission field because that's just what he's called to do. And you'll see the advantages. Read ahead this week, the rest of chapter 7. You'll see the advantages of singleness. 
And you'll see the difficulties in marriage. You see them all pieced together. And when you look at Paul's ministry, what he was called to do, travel, 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 plant churches, leave, thrown in jail, singleness fit his calling. He needed it. Because he was going to be separated from his family anyways. And it was much better that Paul was single so that his entire life and all of his time investment was in the Lord and to the church. But back in chapter 7, in verse 8, it says, But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am, singleness. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And it is. It's better to marry than to go around with a burning passion or lust that causes you to sin in this area. Now, there's always balance in the scripture. I've met many people who have used verse 9 as the foundation of their marriage, getting married very, very quickly, sometimes even without premarital counseling or preparation. And they go, they, they, you see them on Friday and they come in on Sunday, we're married. And you're like, whoa, what happened? Well, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Pastor, we were burning, man. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, what can you do? Uh, <laughs> so, so here's the thing, though. If you are in that category tonight, you're burning with passion, it's still wise to get some premarital. It's still wise to sit down. You may come to find out that it's not love that you're sharing for one another. It's literally lust. And the foundation of your marriage, you don't want to be lust. I'm not saying you can't work through it. But it's going to make things a lot harder. If, if you don't work through some of the communication issues, some of the family issues, some of the financial issues, some of the reality of life, again, when you're getting married, you want to set yourself up to succeed, not fail. And although I understand the application of that verse in your life, it doesn't eliminate wisdom. And I've seen on both sides. I've seen... People that have used this verse as a justification, their marriages work out just fine. And I've seen people use this verse as a justification. They're not married today. And so my, my encouragement to you is get some help. Let people pour into you. Use an exercise in the spirit, some self-control. Even though you made up your mind to get married, that's great. That's going to relieve some of the pressure. And yet at the same time, Make up your mind to get help and let us help you with a foundation so that the foundation of your marriage is the word of God and not lust. Now, this section of scripture is not a systematic theology on the topic of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. They're pieces that God puts together through Paul of insight and teaching based on the questions. And we need to piece these together with other passages of scripture to bring balance and context. But it's interesting in verse 10 that Paul wants us to see that the next section that he shares in the rest of the chapter is not necessarily from the Lord. And some people get stumbled at this. I want to touch on it real briefly. It says, now to the married I command, verse 10, yet, I not, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, uh, you know, kind of moving through as he's going back and forth, I not the Lord... Um, it's not, my, not me this time, verse 10, it's the Lord. 
And in earlier he said, I say this as a concession, not a commandment. So he's going back and forth. Later at the chapter, he's going to say, but I have the spirit of the Lord. So it's all coming from the Lord. But there are times when you and I, as we're counseling people, as we're sharing with people, there are two things that we can share. We can share, well, really three. We can share our opinion, we can share the word, and then we can share our opinion of the word. And those are options available to us. And as we're ministering to others and as we're helping them to navigate through life, when we're speaking on issues that have strong scriptural support and foundation, then you know what we can do? We can speak with authority. This is what the Word of God says. It's unequivocal. And we can speak with authority. But when we're getting into areas that are our own opinions, then it's very necessary for us to let folks know this is my opinion and not to be dogmatic on something that the scriptures aren't dogmatic on. This is my opinion. It's how I view the scriptures. Certainly we have our opinions. We have our experiences. And when we're sharing them, we need to be careful to let know, folks know that's, this is my opinion. I really try to shy away from that because really you don't need my opinion. You need the word of God. But there are times where our opinions are shaded, our experiences, how we grew up. And when you're sharing your opinion, don't be all dogmatic about it and this is the way it is, but... Just say, this is how I see it. Let's pray and see what the Lord says in the scripture. When there's strong scriptural report. You know, I like what Peter did. Remember on the day of Pentecost when they started speaking in tongues? I love what Peter said. He says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Says, you guys want to know what that is? Well, you know what I think is. Because everyone had an opinion. They're drunk, you know. What they, and, and Peter could have gone, well, let me tell you what I think. Instead, he doesn't do that. He says, I'll tell you what it is. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That's the strongest place that you and I can ever be when we can say, this is that which God spoke about in his word. Let me turn over to this verse and show you. But when you're sharing your opinion, be careful so that they know that it's your opinion and not the dogmatic teaching of the scriptures. I hope you're learning your Bible. I know you are as you set yourself toward the things of the Lord, that you're learning your Bible, that you're reading it, that you're studying it, that you're taking notes in your Bible, that you're highlighting it, you're getting into it. The Bible says in Psalm 119 that your word, O Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And I'm telling you, if you want to be a man or a woman that God uses, you want strength in your marriage, you want holiness in your singleness, then get into the Word of God. Grasp it. The best counsel I could ever give you is read your Bible every day. Just soak it in. Just take it in. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and grow you. And as Peter, you look back in Acts chapter 2, this fisherman, they're just boom, fisherman, spent three years with Jesus and a lot of time in the Word, and God made him a biblical scholar. He could just grab that out. I know what this is. God predicted this. Joel said this was going to happen. And don't you get that way sometimes where God gives you a verse, gives you a word, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and you share it and it blows your mind? Like, where did I get that from? You're probably on a Wednesday night. The Lord taught it to you. Maybe it was that guest teacher that was here, you know, three weeks ago that planted a seed, put the word of God in you, and now the Holy Spirit brings it out. It could be something that you, you learn on your mom's knee as a little kid. And now the Holy Spirit's bringing it back to you as you soak yourself in the word. Whatever comes into you, that's what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you put into you is what's going to come out of you. You walk in the Spirit, spiritual things are going to come out of us. If we're all saturated in the nastiness of the world, then nastiness is going to come out of us. We just set our lives to the simplicity of living for the Lord. 
Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in 1 Corinthians as Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through this epistle. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, go online to calvaryco.church. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through our apps. Not only do we offer a church app, but the Grace FM Colorado app as well. Download those today for free by searching for Calvary Aurora. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. And we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of the book, Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. For quite some time, Pastor Ray Bentley has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. This book will introduce you to prophetic signs that God reveals in sometimes unexpected ways. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. That's 877-30-GRACE. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.